The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. What is fear? Heightened arousal, self-preservation or something else entirely? To break down common fears, both rational and irrational, I'm joined by clinical psychotherapist Stephanie Regan. Stephanie, good morning. Good morning, Pat. So uh, fear, fear of the unknown, uh, irrational fears, rational fears, phobias. It comes in all shapes and sizes. Yes, it does. And it's a good one to talk about because I think it's it's more common in people's lives probably, Pat, than we all like to think. We all have little things that, that we maybe prefer to avoid, but for many people they can be much greater and more overwhelming. I think that the, the, the subtle and, and distinct difference is that, you know, fear is quite a normal reaction to the unknown and to things that we don't know. Because in many ways there's a naturalness to that and perhaps um, a survival aspect to that that is good. You know, we need to be careful as we go forward and you know beware be be aware of danger so fear fear can be a good and positive force but but in reality what happens with phobia is that it's in, in it brings up an anxiety a level of anxiety and fear that in many ways impairs the person's sort of life they kind of can't they find themselves not able to do certain mm. things not able to go certain places fearing excessively situations that don't necessarily have fear in them, have a, have a reason yeah. to fear. In them. I mean, if you're afraid of mice and you see one scurrying across your kitchen floor, I mean, mm. it's not going to do you any harm, but you don't like it. And the same with no. spiders or snakes. People have uh, fears of, of those. Uh, which yes. are maybe they're not the, the particular snake is not going to bite you or do anything else. It's more frightened of you than, uh, you, you know, than yes. and, and rationally so, because you're big and you're human mm, and they're small <laughs> and, and, and their experience of humans is that they will be destroyed. The spider will be killed by a human. Uh, the, yes. the mouse will be trapped and poisoned and, you know, and so on and so forth. So, yes, uh, what, what is that? The, the fear of mice, rats, things that won't really cockroaches, things that won't really yes. harm you. That won't really harm you. Well, sometimes, you know, it's specific like that. And people have often that has been activated early in life by something that little experienced as a child that maybe wasn't, as we say, soothed. And so the origins of, of your fears are usually quite early on and and then perhaps activated again later. But the point is, it is, it is an irrational fear, as you say. And really what happens is your body just activates the whole fight and flight response. So your adrenaline levels shoot up and the fear, the whole fear response of the body kicks in. And so so what happens really is you find yourself not able to think and r- really fearing not only the situation, the, the, the spider, but anything that reminds you of spiders. We all know that happens, that that everything, you become, it becomes associated with everything else that you associate it with. And so it can become, it can build, the fear can build and it can become a phobia. Of now, course, yes. a disabling phobia though, I mean, I don't think being scared of mice, you know, the old cartoon of someone standing on a chair yeah. because a mouse is running across the floor. I mean, that's not going to destroy your life. But something like agoraphobia, being afraid yes. to go out, that could destroy yes. your life. Exactly. And agoraphobia, which which really is, you know, we think of it as the fear of going out, but it's also a more generalised fear of not being safe, not being uh, able to get 
get away from a situation, finding yourself, finding yourself, we, we see this with people being afraid of uh, driving on the highway or in, in our case on the, on the M50. Um, I would meet that quite a lot interestingly in therapy. So it's quite, it, it, it shows itself and presents itself in many different formats. Of course, sometimes people will not go out the front door, but most times it's more about being afraid of not being able to get out of a situation, not being able to escape a, a situation. So, so uh, I mean, it could yes. be a mixture of rational and irrational fear uh, being on the M50, for example. There are a lot of crashes yes. on the M50, not mm-hmm. all of them fatal happily, but a lot of crashes uh, every day. It's That's also right. an overload situation for many people, inexperienced drivers with cars, you know, coming yes. on, on an off and off ramp. Uh, other cars crossing you to go onto an on-ramp and all of that sort of thing. It's all happening too fast. It's too busy. Yes. And that's a, maybe a rational fear. Yeah, so so it feeds in. I mean, there may be a core of rational fear there, as you say. Um, also, remember, there can be what we call a PTSD element to it, the post-traumatic stress disorder element to it, that I would frequently meet people, for example, who have had um, a, a crash in some way, and um, it might have been quite a small crash, you know, where they weren't even injured in another whole area of the city, but they find it very, very difficult to go back to mm-hmm. the, the car situation of the infant. So there's an element of truth to the fear, if you know what I mean, and a, a rational component, and then it rises and gathers, and that maybe gives you a sense of how, in many ways, phobias develop. Mm-hmm. There is a, There can be a thread of truth, you know, a thread of rationality to it, but then the irrational and the fear response takes over so much, becomes so connected to the, to the event and to the, to the stimulus that, that it ends up being out of proportion, irrational, and a body response that the person finds almost impossible to control. Now, we mentioned spiders and mice and all the rest of it, and uh, there are yes. people who have, uh, you know, fear of dogs because perhaps they had a childhood experience or knew someone yeah. who was bitten. But then there are, you know, fear of heights. I, I don't like going to the edge of the cliffs of more. You're not allowed to do it anymore. But when you were, yes. I mean, I crawled out to have a look. You know, I yes. wasn't going to no, exactly. stand on the edge. Um, people are afraid of the dark. People are afraid of thunder yes. and lightning. People are afraid of the dentist. Yes, and, and and again, we see a shred of truth in that. Interestingly, and they're all what we would term specific kind of phobias, but one of the, the greater um, sort of phobias that we see com- coming up a lot now is the social anxiety disorder and being being afraid of the social situation. And maybe this in some ways is slightly worsened by our world of, you know, our very exposed world these days. But, you know, where people are fearful of being judged, you know, we would have said as, as when we saw children and young, teenagers with that we would say oh you know they're just shy but it's actually it's bigger than shyness it's that fear of being judged that fear of being sort of assessed by others and that makes for a very difficult that's a very difficult phobic phobia for people to deal with it's very disabling it's very much you know cuts their life down so the question really is also which one which of these really and which and when do they need treatment and you know when should people really look at dealing with the situation. and Yeah, and, and yep. different people handle uh, situations. If you uh, go to a place and you are, shall we say, improperly dressed for the occasion yeah. um, and you're mortified that you came in your trainers uh, when everyone else is wearing shoes, you know, yeah. then Mick Jagger walks in, he's in his trainers and everyone says, wow, doesn't he look cool? 
Mm, exactly. Well, that's confidence, isn't it? And yeah, I know what you mean. But you see, there's usually roots to these things. And that's where we are, isn't it? You know, there's roots to the, the social anxiety disorder. The roots to phobias are very simple, really. They tend to be just something, something that a person has either experienced as a child, something either that they have learned, learned phobias or what we would call kind of hereditary phobia is actually quite common. Um, you know, it's actually to the tune of about 50% in these social phobias, which is quite mm. interesting. So, um, so there's many, you know, simple reasons for it, but really we see it now. And in clinical terms, if I'm treating somebody, I'm looking at it largely as an anxiety disorder. Now, where the person pe- is just yeah. hyper aroused at yeah. an anxiety level. Uh, and what yeah. about people who worry about everything? You know, well, and, and, and I mean, yeah. in terms of today's children, for example, when we were mm-hmm. kids, we on holidays, you know, from school, we would vanish for the morning, gone up yeah. the Phoenix Park, That's right. doing all sorts of things, arrive in for lunchtime. Uh, I can't remember my mother saying, where have you been? What have you done? Yes. You, not at all. She just said, there's your, there's your lunch yes. or your dinner, <laughs> as it was in those days. Yes. Uh, and there was right. no issue nowadays. And I'm not sure that stranger Mm -hmm. danger is hugely greater than it was in those days, but parents Mm -hmm. fret. Well, I think parents fret. I think you're right there. And um, I I think the world, the world of knowing everything has its pluses. Um, You know, the world of immediate sort of being able to immediately find symptoms and treatments and um, all all the risk factors for things um, has its pluses, but it also has its negative. And if a person is anxious or inclined to it in any way, then, and there are genetic components to anxiety. So then that person can read, read and read. And that can leave them with, in many ways, information that isn't helping them. And in some ways, what you're referring to there, Pat, is we weren't fully aware of every single you know, fear that and every reason we should be afraid. There was a little bit of ignorant bliss, you know, or blissful ignorance wasn't there. And I mean, yeah, but also uh, the the real dangers, the, the number of cars on the road uh, and so yeah. on and so forth has changed yes. uh, significantly. And the number yes, of couriers out there who might uh, rob a child's phone, you know. Yes, but but take, for example, fear of flying. Take, take fear of flying. We know the, the statistics. We know that that it is you know, you're very safe flying, you're more safe in, 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 in statistically, you're more safe flying than you are driving. And you are less likely to be in an accident. I suppose accidents are very well exposed when they happen. And that's one reason, again, those all those images spike fear. But fear of flying is extremely common. And for people on an island like ours, you know, if you, if you stop and let that disable, you stop flying and let that sort of limit your life, you really are doing something very negative for yourself. So we would see a lot of people who come with fear of flying. So there's a few things, maybe we should say that, a few things that people can do and they should be aware of. One thing I would always say to people is go at it early. Don't postpone and postpone and don't keep trying to avoid the situation because that actually allows the situation to build up and the phobia to build in your system. The earlier you intervene, the better the outcomes. Mm. So remember that also with children. The earlier you, you intervene, and it doesn't mean everybody needs therapy. We're not saying that. But we are saying 
ed, you know, name the name the fear, help your child also to name the fear, understand the fear and challenge the thought and give them the right information early. That's just a parental thing, but it is something that does help because it's really the burying of the fear okay. that allows uh, it to uh, develop. One question from a listener. I have a crippling fear of conflict and getting things wrong and it's really affecting me at work so much so I feel like the only thing to do is to quit. But I have mm. bills to pay and a family to support. What can I do? I'm sitting here crippled with fear ahead of a work meeting. Mm. Crippled with fear because fearing conflict. I would say that that is, I mean, that is a more generalized anxiety and we would, you would need to, what we would say, kind of dismantle that, open it out, see what's in it. Usually these things have stemmed from something. So we have, you know, the more psychoanalytic perspective would be opening that up, going down into a little bit back, back to all associations to find out when was the first time that you had that thought, that conflict and standing up for yourself was a fearful thing to do or could have a bad consequence. So okay. that's But it that's can be it can be fixed. Work. That's the main thing. Absolutely. It can be fixed. And that's what I really I suppose that's why I love what I do. I see people fix every day on these kind of things. And maybe I should just mention that CBT is very good for for these even though I'm psychoanalytic, we're really talking about challenging thinking and helping the person to learn to actively relax and work their way through in a piecemeal way through the phobia. And that is something that people can do on their own, but not by avoiding it. That's a key point, Pat. Stephanie, um, we yep, have to leave it done. there. Stephanie Regan, okay. clinical psychotherapist. Uh, thank you very much for uh, joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.